How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. <clears throat> and today, we're going to be diving into the topic of prayer and fasting, uh, primarily due to our study yesterday. <clears throat> we took a look at uh, Matthew chapter 4 and the temptation in the wilderness and uh, talks about when Jesus had fasted. And uh, I said we'd, we'd do a, another discussion a bit more in detail of fasting itself, which the Lord put on my heart. We should probably do that today. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at the topic of fasting, uh, what it's for, what it's about, how to go about that. There's a lot of differing views and opinions and teachings, different writings out there by different people what they think fasting is about. We're just going to see uh, a few interesting points in Scripture regarding fasting on uh, what the Bible teaches on what it's specifically for. Uh, there are many different ways that uh, it can be carried out, that it can be done, uh, but we're going to be talking a bit more is why. Why is this important in general? So... <clears throat> All right, so grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding this study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. This is a bit of a Q&A on the topic of prayer and fasting and uh, this kind of stuff, spiritual warfare. Uh, prayer in general, fasting in general, so these kinds of things. So if something you want to talk about in this, uh, on this topic, please feel free to chime in. If it's not related, uh, really uh, specifically on this, if you could just hold that uh, to a, another broadcast, it'd be uh, appreciated. We want to try to limit our rabbit trailing on this. Okay, so today's verses there's going to be a bunch of passages that we're going to be looking into but primarily we're going to be building off of john chapter 14 and matthew 6. so we're going to be reading these chapters going through them and discussing some things on this as we go along um and we'll just see how it goes i'm just kind of winging it today uh i got some old notes that we'll be going by but i have some ideas of things i want to talk about but uh just not so much as a, a strict to just go and buy the notes. We're just going to kind of open up the floor here. So whatever's on your heart, on your mind in this. Alrighty. Now, the one thing that uh, we should really start on, I was thinking about this, is uh, a lot of Christians have this idea that fasting is something that we do uh, they may not say this outright but more kind of like the back of their mind and their subconscious they kind of have this 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 thought this feeling that fasting is to get god's attention would i be right in saying that that uh that many christians i'm not going to generalize say all but many christians have this idea that fasting is to get God's attention, to earn God's favor. That uh, if you're praying and praying and praying and, and nothing seems to be happening, well, you fast and pray and that gets his attention and, and then he'll answer your prayers. 
Would I be right in saying that that's kind of the idea that a lot of people have? I feel that that, that uh, I'm right on that one. But fasting is not for gaining God's favor or for getting his attention. Fasting is meant for us. Fasting is meant for us. It, and what it does is it suppresses the flesh, the affections and lusts thereof. It helps us to subdue the flesh and it strengthens the spirit. That's what fasting is for. That's what it's meant for. Uh, it's meant to help us to override fear, doubt, unbelief, apathy, all these kinds of things that would try to arise to that that could ruin our faith, uh, harm our prayers, uh, harm our walk in Christ. So fasting is to help us uh, to overcome these kinds of things, these troubles and trials that would come upon us. Fasting is something that is also taught that's meant for it just in our regular conversations with the Lord. Fasting is something that we use in intercessory prayer. It's used in spiritual warfare. As Jesus even talks about, certain devils uh, will not come out except by prayer and fasting, is what Jesus flat out says. So, scriptures teach that if you are troubled in one in some way, some form, fasting and prayer brings us back to square one again where we should be with the Lord. When we start getting off on tangents and we start uh, wandering off, uh, falling off, start wavering in our faith and, or in some way, some, some form, fasting and prayer sharpens the sword, brings us back to the fine edge again and helps us to stand strong, to stand in the faith. That's what prayer and fasting does. Now, prayer and fasting is taught in the Old Testament and it's taught in New Testament. Jesus emphasized this a lot. We see prayer and fasting a lot all throughout uh, the rest of the New Testament, the Pauline epistles and all the other letters of the disciples. It is something that is meant for believers. All believers uh, of all time, is this helps us in our faith. It's not just a specific dispensational um, focus, focus practice, but it's meant for all saints of all time doesn't matter where you are who you are what's going on so prayer and fasting is is taught by god for believers all believers that's what it's meant for so answering your question there mju so let's take a look at some more details on this let's go over to john chapter 14 because if you don't understand this principle as taught by john chapter 14 you're just not gonna get it you're not going to understand it. You're not going to understand what prayer and fasting is all about. See, it begins with the understanding that all scripture is true. Well, you'd say, well, duh. But it goes much deeper than that. It goes much deeper than, than just knowledge. I forget which preacher it said. I think it was Spurgeon. Who, who said that the things of the faith, the word of God, is more real to me than you are. And this is where it comes from. And as I talked about yesterday, uh, I mentioned it from time to time, about how the physical reality is nothing more than putty that is molded 
by the hands of praying faith. The Lord defies the laws of physics. He defies the laws of nature. The Lord can do whatever he pleases, and he swore that he would help his children, help his saints. And it doesn't matter what's going on. Seas are not supposed to split. Water is not supposed to come from a rock. Man is not supposed to rain from the sky. Giant, huge, massive fortress city walls aren't supposed to just collapse because you're walking around it and singing. Uh, we see so many things in scripture. The dead are not supposed to come back to life. The lepers aren't supposed to be suddenly miraculously healed. The blind aren't supposed to suddenly be able to see because you put clay on their eyes. Water is not supposed to turn to wine. You're not supposed to be able to walk on water and on and on and on and on. Do you see what I'm getting at? This. This is reality. This is reality. But the things uh, the word of God talks about, this is reality. Not what you see out the window. Not what you feel by your senses. But rather what the Lord dictates by his word, this is reality. So let's, let's take a look at some more aspects of this in John chapter 14. So please grab your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 14. And we're just going to read through John chapter 14. And I would like you to pay close attention to what it says. What's the first point in John chapter 14? Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, what could trouble your heart? Now, this isn't, it doesn't say let not your mind. Though our minds are to be held captive by the word of God in prayer. Our minds are not supposed to be troubled. But why does it say let not your heart be troubled? Your heart. Well, that's that's James 1, 6 to 7. But him that, that wavers in faith is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. That's wavering in faith. That's heart. Your faith is troubled. Your faith is troubled. Your belief is troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. And this is a point I bring up from time to time as well. You don't doubt Jesus. You don't doubt the cross. You don't doubt the gospel of your salvation. You believe the gospel of your salvation without question. You would go to your death on, on that. You would die on that hill. At least I hope you would. You wouldn't deny the Lord, but I doubt you would. But you adamantly, without wavering, believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ as absolute truth. Right? What about the rest of the story? What about the rest of the story? You believe in God. You believe in the gospel. Do you believe in the rest of the story? Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Do you believe that? You say, well, yeah. No, no, think about this just for a moment. Do you, with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, 
I, what I want you to do in this broadcast is I want you to go over every point of, of your confirmation of faith of the things that you believe and i want you to reevaluate them again i want you to go over it again of all these things that you say you believe i want you to revisit these things do you believe this that the lord the lord has prepared a place for you your name is written in the lamb's book of life there is a heaven there is a hell there's salvation there's damnation there's god and there's there's devils and that you have a spot in heaven, your home, with the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Do you see that? Do you understand that? Do you know this to be 100% real reality? Just that our physical eyes, which are created for the physical realm, our physical eyes just can't capture it. We can't see it unless the Lord himself gives us that supernatural vision and we can behold the things of spirit. But our physical eyes just can't see it. But it is right there. You can put your finger on it. Do you believe that? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know in the way ye know. Do you know? Do you understand this? Do you see this? Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Do you understand the person of Jesus Christ? Do you see him? Do you get him? Do you know him? Do you understand who he is? Who he is, why he came, what he came for, who you were in, in conjunction with, with all of this, and that you repented and believed and accepted him as your Lord God and Savior? Do you see him? Do you understand and know the way? If ye had known me, ye would have known my father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus says to him, Have I been so long time with you, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the father. And how sayest thou then, show us the father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. The works of Christ. The words of Christ. These are the works and the words of God Almighty. Now I want you just to think just a moment. Evolution is not true. God literally spoke. And the power of his spoken word, he made all things. He spoke it all into existence. He spoke the universe into existence. He formed the earth with his word. And he spoke to the waters, bring forth dry land, and it did. And he spoke to the land, bring forth all the herbs and the trees, and it did. He spoke to the waters to bring forth the fish and the fowl, and it did. He spoke to the ground, bring forth all the creatures and creeping things, and it did. And he, he, he formed Adam from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into him the breath of life and created a living soul, and it was. Do you believe that? Do you believe and understand that the things that happen in Scripture are 100% true and happened in our reality, this world, planet Earth, 
just a few years ago. I say a few years ago because, well, in the grand scheme of, of eternity, which we will live, it was just yesterday, that the Lord did all these things here on earth years ago. The miracles, the signs and wonders. We see Noah and the flood, David and Goliath. We see Moses in Egypt, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the burning fiery furnace, Elijah and Mount Carmel, and all these things all down through happened. Jesus and all the miracles and the signs and wonders and the disciples and the preaching and the missionary journeys and the signs and wonders, it's all true. It's all absolutely true. Do you believe that? Do you honestly, I'm speaking to you folks, everyone that's hearing this, do you honestly, 100% actually believe all of it? Do you honestly, honestly do? Because the first evaluation when it comes to prayer and fasting, are you praying, believing? Are you actually praying, believing? Or are you praying, doubting? Praying with some figments of doubt. Because there are many professed Christians don't believe the creation account, doubt many of the miracles, doubt many of the doctrines, water down the word of God, they question the veracity of scripture, they contradict the word of God, and then they wonder why their prayers aren't being answered. Let's continue. Verse 12, John 14, verse 12. Verily, verily, which means truly, truly. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, did you hear the words? What did Jesus say? Those that believe on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Now, if we just hold our finger there, just, just, just for a moment, just for a quick moment, and go back to Mark, chapter 16. Mark, chapter 16, verse 20. Well, starting at verse seven, uh, verse 16, Mark 16, 16. And Jesus says, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. It's unbelief that damns you, not unbaptism. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, in the name of Jesus Christ, shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. In my name, these things will be done. 
signs and wonders supernatural manifestations that the hand of god almighty by the word of god's own mouth in the name of jesus christ miraculous signs and wonders and miracles are done do you believe that do you believe that well, i ask this question because well there are many professing christians who struggle on this point they are called cessationists where they believe that the that the miracle signs and wonders that the scripture talks about no longer apply to today that they all ended a long time ago and it's just nothing but a knowledge war now where in the word of god does it say that where in the word of god does it say that these things have ended rather it does say in first corinthians um 13 verses 8 to 10 and there are three things that have ended three things specifically and these are three things uh, uh, uh that were signs of authority like for example we see foretelling prophecy like old testament prophet types where they would tell of things to come uh that that's ended words of knowledge meaning new divine impartations of teaching and instruction has ended because the word of god is complete and tongues flat out says tongues that tongues uh the biblical tongues and have ended at the giving of the completion of the word of god that's what it says that the word of god is now our oracle not man and that tongues have ceased when when the word of god is completed but i don't want to go down that road right now we'll, we'll do that another time i already talked about tongues about a million times but my point is, is as Jesus says, that these miracle signs and wonders and powers and things will, will manifest to those that believe in him. Do you believe that? Because we also go back to Mark chapter 11. Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. I'll define that a bit more in, in a bit. But in general, do you see what this is saying? Do you understand what this is saying? and shall not doubt in his heart now i talk about this before that there's a, a bit of a problem with much of modern christianity quotation marks christianity uh is we see what's happening is that they've turned biblical christianity into nothing more in many ways than just religious observances uh, of just affirming doctrine and participating in observances that, that that's all that christianity has become but it's much more than that it's meant to be much more than that it's meant to be much more than just read your bible pray go to church read your bible pray go to church sing the hymns don't drink don't dance don't smoke don't do this don't do that don't do this don't do that do this do that do this do that don't do this do that. that that's all christianity is as it's taught but what is it according to the word of god well 
okay before it was called before it was called christianity as they were called christians first at antioch before it was called christianity they're believers in the lord god of israel what, what uh, the the true fervent zealous believers like we go back into time in the, in the Lord God, look at the life of the of the mighty men and women of God down through time. What, what was life like for them? Well, the fervent zealots, they took the faith seriously and they had a true, close, actual relationship with the person of God. They walked with him and talked with him and fellowshiped with him. God showed himself to them, manifest himself to them. He helped them and guided them and provided for them, protected, the, for, protected them and fought for them. Where is that today? Where is that today? Rather, we see so many believers so full and racked with doubt and fear and unbelief and wavering faith, questioning everything. They say they believe, but in their hearts they deny. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And then we see what we see is, is so many people taking advantage of this and twisting this up and kind of like, you know, the Kenneth Copeland types. Oh, whatsoever you want. Oh, I want a million dollars. I want supercars and a mansion and fancy suits and jetliners. And I want this. I want that. Well, it says whatsoever ye desire. Right? Well, doesn't the Bible talk about asking to heap upon your lust? You see, this it goes it, it goes back to when Jesus was asked, what is the first and greatest commandment with promise? And Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love thy neighbor as thyself, which is the second commandment, to love thy neighbor as thyself. And he's right. Okay, but let me just ask you a question. When you die to self, you put the Lord first, and you you honestly love, out of a pure heart forever, love the Lord your God, the Lord Jesus Christ, with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What is naturally going to transpire? What's going to happen? Out of you will flow the springs of living water. That that the deeds and the works and all these things will, will naturally come as a byproduct. But also, more than that, something else will also happen. In John chapter 6, we see it, it we're asked, What shall we do that we, that we might work the works of God? And Jesus says, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath said. And this is the Father's will that has sent me, that all which seeth the Son would believe on him. 
at the will of the Father, the will of God is that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And to do the works of Christ is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you naturally, instinctually will be praying. Not your will, but his. Because, go back to John chapter 14. Go back to John chapter 14. Verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. So the reason why we do follow the Lord and hold to his word is not because we have to, but because we want to, because we love him. We don't want to hurt him. We don't want to, we don't want to mistreat him. We don't want to betray him. We don't want to disobey him because we love him. And we have such a close relationship that when, that, that when we think of him, all we can think of is walking with him and talking with him and being in communion with him. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, the, the comforter of the Spirit of truth is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Ephesians 3.17, the Spirit of Christ, which lives in the heart of every believer. The Spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye, ye shall live also. At that day shall ye know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Do you understand this? Do you understand this? That the born-again Christianity, you actually are a child of the living God. And that the Spirit of Almighty God is literally living inside of you you are actually this isn't just fancy, fancy metaphorical language this is literal you actually are held in the hand of the father he wraps his fingers around you and holds you tight and that you're held in the hand of the father no man can pluck you out that means you can't pluck yourself out either he seals you with his spirit he holds you in his hand he stands by your side because he's omnipresent he surrounds you with all of his angels this is real this is literal do you believe this do you know this to be true more than just of mine, but a knowing of the heart in the deepest recesses of your being, you know that this is true. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Do you see Jesus? Do you see him? Do you know him? Do you understand him? But let's go down. Let's go down to verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Look what it says. Look what it says. Look. John 14, verse 26. John 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, 
which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall, what? Look what it says. But he shall teach you. He will teach you all things. What things? Whatsoever things you'd have need of. Whatsoever things you would need instruction for. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Do you need wisdom? Ask of God. Do you need knowledge? Ask of God. Do you need discernment? Ask of God. Do you need help, guidance, protection, provision? Ask of God. And he gives. And he gives. He provides. He teaches. He instructs. He guides. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. To trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and to lean, and to lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. You cannot, you cannot even begin to understand prayer and fasting if you haven't first come to this point and come to grips with the true reality. If you don't understand this, you will not understand prayer. If you don't understand this, you're not going to understand God. You'll have your idea of what you think is God and how you think he operates and how you think everything goes. But what does the word of God say? Let's go to the next chapter, John chapter 15. Look at verse 7. If ye abide in me. Look at the words. If. If. Now this is written to the saints. This is written to Christians. This isn't salvationary. This is not a salvationary passage. This is talking about our walk in Christ and about things that we've been talking about, the Lord providing all these things and answer prayer and all this. If, if, what does if mean? Well, some will, some won't. And it's a, it's a, it's a choice. It's a choice. If ye abide in me, what does that mean to abide in? What does it mean to abide in? To live in. To abide means to live. It's your abode, your home, your heritage. It's where you dwell. It's where you hang your hat. If you live in me, abide in me, if you abide in me, and there's a twofold. There's a twofold here. If ye abide in me and my words which words all the words of christ all the words of god and my words abiding you okay now it's starting to build up the picture and starting to make sense about all of this now we start to see the importance of what i was talking about previously about the emphasis of the true reality okay 
if you abide in me so it's much 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 more than just intellectually of knowledge of mind believing in jesus who is he what did he say and why why is this important why should i i apply it to myself well because as we see as james 1 6 7 but let him ask in faith nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the lord so what is that saying if you're wavering your faith oh the lord is able to do it but i don't know if he will yes yes i believe him but uh, but i don't know that back and forth and back you'll receive nothing of god that's what it says james 167 we also see in psalms and and proverbs it talks about that if it, we have if you're hiding iniquity in your heart you receive nothing of god you receive nothing of god hiding iniquity well, what is unbelief unbelief is iniquity what is it saying james wavering in faith you receive nothing of god because wavering in faith the doubting of faith doubting the lord doubting his promises doubting his provision doubting his veracity that's sin and if you're hiding that in your heart that's sin and you receive nothing of god if ye abide in me and my words abide in you you shall ask what you will and shall be done unto you what is the inverse what's the inverse then if you're not abiding in him and his words or and or and or his words are not abiding in you you'll receive nothing of the lord you say you love jesus but you refuse to study his word you refuse to accept his word you question the veracity water down the doctrines everything else that we talk about you're doing all that you receive nothing of god so it's a twofold it's a twofold if ye abide in me and my words abide in you it goes together it goes together it goes together if ye abide in me and my words abide in you you should ask what you will and it shall be done unto you Let's go over to Matthew chapter 6. Now, if we take a look at Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Starting at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. What does that mean to take no thought? Take no, I'm just, I'm not even allowed to think about it. No, no, what this, what this is getting at when you look at the context, take no thought for your life, what you should eat, what you should drink, or what you should, or your body, what you should put on. This is, means is to not worry about that, that your mind is given and you worry and fret and fear and, 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 and think about these kinds of things in that context. That's what that means. Uh, Anthony Perrin, good morning. I know, see, we were friends in Periscope. Remember? I do remember the name. I do remember your name. Yes, 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 I do. It's been a while. How's it going? God bless. So we uh, we take a look in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 here. Take no thought. Take no thought. That means to your mind is given and you're, and you're trying to think, plan. You're, you're trying to reason. You're trying to figure it out. You're worrying about it, fretting about it. Your, your mind is given to this. So don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. 
you see you see that you're in need of food or clothing or drink or whatever you see the need well what do you do with needs scheme and plan and and and, and fret and worry and stress no you give it to the lord what does it say casting all your care upon him now the word casting is quite interesting you take like casting all your care upon him. the word cast is like a pitcher in baseball or for our american friends football the linebacker what does he do he takes he takes that that ball and he casts it that's what it means by casting it doesn't mean you, you take the thing and just yeah just drop it but you throw it you throw it to get it away from you and you're giving it to the lord it's all of his it's all of his and all of your your might your muster is given to this in giving it over to the lord take no thought it's not even a question it's not even an issue it's not an issue needs necessities provision protection all things that could possibly come up in your life are a non-issue the only issue is your continuing to praise him therefore i say to you take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment because what is life what is life well now we're starting to get real serious what is life life is not what you observe your your body this old carcass is not you your flesh and blood body is a suit for your soul the body without the spirit is dead the spirit lives on the spirit lives on the body is just a flesh suit that's all it is it's just a flesh suit that's gonna wear out like a shirt that wears out starts getting full of holes and you eventually comes a point you gotta throw it away and this flesh and blood body is gonna wear out and it's going to expire but we're gonna live on we're gonna keep living on we're not gonna blip into a darkness or any of that kind of thing well, it is, it's in the blink of an eye, less than the blink of an eye. And we take our last breath, our flesh and blood takes its last breath here. If the brain fires the last neuron, we open our eyes instantaneously in, in, in the light of glory of God in heaven. And we are with the Lord forever. That's what scripture says. What is your life? Your life is your soul. Your life is your spirit. The life is more than meat, more than raiment, more than the flesh. It's more than the trees and the grass and the bank accounts and the cupboards and the gas tank. It's more than these things around us. For what is your life? Is your life not more than meat and your body than raiment? We don't have to worry about what to wear, what to eat, what to, what to drink or what to do. We, have to, we don't have to worry about any of that. 
the Lord provides. Does the little child have to scheme and plan their life, or does the parent look after them? And the child lives. How much more our Heavenly Father? How much more our Heavenly Father? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much more better than they? The Lord Jesus said this, God, God Almighty, manifested in the flesh, said this. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Now, saying you believe that is one thing. Because anybody can raise their hand and shout amen when the preacher is saying this and they're sitting in the pews at church and all this. No, 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 no. No, I'm saying, do you actually believe this in a belief of actual practice? Do you adhere to this, understand this, accept this, and believe this as reality? Or do you still proceed to scheme and plan and worry and fret and fear? You receive nothing of the Lord. Because that's wavering faith. That's wavering faith. You have to learn to come to grips with yourself. You have to learn to come to that point. Where you give up. You give up. And, li and like, like vows in marriage. That's your belief of the Lord. Lord, I believe and I accept this to be true, whether in sickness or in health, whether in rich or poor, wh whether living or dead, no matter my situation, no matter my circumstances, because circumstances are, are not reality, you, O oh Lord, are the reality. I believe. Lord, forgive mine unbelief. Forgive my weak faith, Lord. I believe. I believe you can provide. You will provide to give thanks for the things that have, that have not yet even received. Lord, you know what I, have, what, what I need, and you already have it stored up. You already know. I just need to trust that you will provide. Because you will provide because you said you would. The word of the Lord says as well, he will not cause his children to be begging for bread. It's what it says in Psalms. Now consider that one, folks. Consider that one. As it says in the word of God, in Psalms 37, 25, I have been young and now am old, yet have, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. The Lord, what that means is, the Lord will not cause thee to be a beggar. You don't need to beg God to provide. I want you to get that through your head. Really think about that one. You don't need to beg God. You don't need to beg him. He says, ask, not beg. Ask, not beg. 
You don't need to beg of God. You don't need to earn his favor because his favor is given to you because you have his son. Do you see that? Do you understand that? I don't need to beg of God. I don't need to implore and beg and plead, Lord, please help me, please help me. And in the back of your mind, you're kind of wondering, kind of like the, 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 uh, a poor pauper kneeling before a king and begging and begging that they would help and that there's a chance the king might not help. That's not the case with our God. That's not the case with our king of kings. He will always help. He will always provide. I am with you always, even at the end of the world. Whatsoever you ask of me in my name, I will do it. You don't need to beg him. You just ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. It's an adamant, absolute, affirmative promise of eternity. Ask, you shall receive. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened. The Lord said so. He said so. Do you remember what I talked about yesterday? I talked about yesterday in Matthew chapter 4. What is the very, 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 very first thing that all devils do? First thing that they always do. The first attack the first word, the first fiery arrow, the first swing of their demonic sword, what is the first thing that they do? They attack the validity of the word of God. What was the first thing out of the mouth of the serpent in Eden? Yea, hath God truly said yea has god truly said that he will always provide will will is he actually going to hear your prayers will he actually help you in this trouble because you've been praying and praying and praying and nothing's happened yet but maybe it's not true well what what if what if god's too busy or what if you've sinned just too much and he's not going to help you? Maybe you've angered him. Maybe he doesn't like you anymore. Maybe, maybe you're not even saved. Well, let's keep going. Behold the fowl of the air. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow's cast into the oven, shall he not much, not, blah, sorry, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought there it is again don't worry about it don't fret about it don't try to scheme and plan all this don't even worry about that take no thought saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed for after all these things do the gentiles seek meaning the unsafe for your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things god knows you have need of these things the parent knows what the child needs 
rather, what should we do? But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Repent and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, that which is all of the kingdom of God. For what is life? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek the things of the Lord first. Put your eyes on him first. And he will provide all things. Peter walked on the water so long as his eyes were on Jesus Christ. The wall of Jericho fell so long as they did as the Lord had said. Seeking the kingdom of God, the word of God, the ways of God, the righteousness of God first. Putting the Lord first in your life. I must decrease, he must increase. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it, so it shall be done unto you. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought. There it is again. Third time. Third time. Take no thought for the morrow. Don't even worry about tomorrow. What does it also say? Forgetting the things of the past. Forgetting the things of the past. Take no thought of the morrow. Sufficient unto the days evil thereof. Take no thought for tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient to the days evil thereof. Stop trying to play the psychic game of trying to foretell the future and creating the hypothetical situations in your mind of what you think the outcome will be. Don't even don't even go down that road. Don't even think about it. Don't even worry about it. Right here, right now, in this moment, today, his mercies are new every morning, today, right here, right now. How's your standing with the Lord? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? So, we see then, when it comes to praying, just as Scripture is 100% true, that all these things actually happened. This is all 100% literal truth. What is praying? What does it mean to pray? Let's start looking at this. Praying is not like what the cults do. Where... I have this for for instructional purposes, well, where I have to sit, sit in, a, in a certain way and count beads. This isn't praying. This is heathenry. I don't need beads. I don't need Mary. I don't need buildings. I don't need religious articles, icons artifacts i don't need things i don't even need this world i need nothing but believing faith for praying 
the actual meaning of praying if we go back in old english you would see that if i wanted to have a conversation with you i would say i pray ye i pray ye what does that mean that's invitation to conversation to hold discourse So are you saying that praying to God is just having a conversation with him? Yes. It's having a conversation with God. As it says in the word of God, he has given us all boldness. He's given us all authority that we in all boldness can be can come right before the throne of grace. We can walk right up before God. I don't have to crawl before the throne. I don't have to beg his attention to be allowed to come into the same room as him, but rather because of his son, because of Jesus Christ and his imputed righteousness, his salvation is sealing his holding, his indwelling of his spirit, because he's given me a new name. I've been made his child. In all boldness, I can come walking right up before the throne and say, Abba, father and he looks down at me and smiles and he holds out his hand and he invites me to talk with him to walk with him to converse with him to live with him to be where he is that's praying that's what it means to pray To pray is a deep, real reality. It's reality of the true spiritual sense. This is what it's about. I'm actually in conversation with the Lord God Almighty. And he's not way up there. He's not way out there where I have to shout and yell to try to bend his ear. It's not like deism where he's way up there and you can't actually have a close relationship with him but he is up there somewhere but rather he's right here so close right at my side his spirit is indwelling me and he's right at my shoulder closer than a brother this is what the word of god says praying is having a close intimate relationship conversations life and fellowship with the son of god that's what it's about god manifested in the flesh our lord our god our savior our king our redeemer our everything he who made the universe by speaking who made all the stars of space and he knows them by name he he who can see every molecule that makes up your person every grain of sand that he scraped together to make adam he saw every grain he knows everything every thought sees everything but yet he knows you and he knows you so personally he wants to have a relationship with you he loves you so much he went to the cross for you praying is just having a conversation with him because you love him And you're asking him to teach you. And like the disciples, like Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, we sit at the feet of God and we are enraptured by him, staring him in the face. 
listening to every word that comes out of his mouth and then asking questions. Lord, when you said this, well, what did you mean by that? And he tells you. That's what it is. That's what praying is. Praying is a two-way conversation. I talk to him. He talks to me. I talk to him. He talks to me. Which is more important? Breathing in or breathing out? Scripture is God's word. You want to hear the voice of God? Read the Bible out loud. People are looking for revelations from God, for uh, for uh, for uh, close spiritual experiences from God in other sources instead of his word. They say, Lord, would you speak to me? Would you speak to me? I gave you a whole book. Would you speak to me from the trees? Would you speak to me from the dreams? He speaks to us from his word. This is sufficient. This is all you need. Every single thing you could ever need is right here. The answers to any question that could ever arise in all time is in this book. And there's an answer for it. Uh, there's an answer, a principle, a teaching, a doctrine, a point made in the word of God. You don't need anything else. Taking the faith seriously. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you. What happens if you get one of those missed? You get nothing. If my people, which are called by my name, these are the believers, if my people, which are called by my, by my name, should humble themselves, should humble themselves, humility, so that's, I must decrease, he must increase. We see pride has gotten rid of our own personal opinions and feelings and emotions. All these things is just ignored. It's all irrelevant. Facts don't care about your feelings. And the facts of the word of God, the facts of God don't care about your feelings. It doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what you believe. It's the belief of the heart, not the feelings of the mind. It's the belief of heart. Faith of the heart. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's believing trust. If my people, which are called by my name, should humble themselves and pray. Well, how often should we pray? People ask. How often should you talk to your loved ones? How often should you talk to your spouse? Just once a day? Try that. Try that. How well do you think your relationship will last if you only talk to your loved ones, only talk to your spouse once a day? Maybe. And even then, what you say to them is the same thing you say every day. How well do you think that relationship will do? So you see, it's not a regurgitation of a list but is actual, involved, loving, caring, real relationship. You actually care. You, you're actually involved. You want to know more. You want to talk. 
you want to converse and, it, and it's not just about you but it's both of you you want to spend time with the lord there's different kinds of involvement in this we see in relationships there's times of intimacy there's there's time there's times of entertainment like well the lord had fun he went to the weddings he went to banquets and parties the lord laughed the lord cries the lord gets angry the lord rejoices he's a person god is a person with emotions and he wants to have a full relationship with you that you would walk with him he saved you from the condemnation of sin from the fires of hell from the damnation of your sin he saved you from the wrath of god why don't you want to walk with him why don't you want him to be a part of every part of your life him to be involved with every aspect of your being you know people think i'm joking when i talk about this but i have found a deep meaning even in things like when when i go for a walk go for a bike ride me and my wife, we go for hikes out in the out in the woods uh, quite often. We love doing hiking. And in my workouts, when I'm doing my weightlifting, I will actually ask the Lord to come with me. Now, it's not that that He won't be with me if I don't. No, no. It's it's that I make it a point to ask. Like when I'm working out, I I, I ask the Lord to be with me. To work out with me to help me to teach me to keep me safe to not let me go too far with it and, and to keep me safe from getting hurt and all that kind of thing and, and there's a joy there's a deep joy that comes up a sincere honest joy comes up when you know when when you actually think of asking another person of inviting them you know you may not even need to but the fact that you do ask is it means something in everything that you do even in eating and drinking do all to the glory of god why wouldn't you ask him to be involved well i don't need to but what about just common courtesy and respect yeah the lord is always with you but technically you you know, need to because well he just is but the fact that you just would think of him in that way that, that you would look at him as a person you would want him to actually be there and you would say it so so much more in this when we take the lord personally we actually ask him to be involved to be a part of our lives a part of everything that we do. So how much time do you spend with him? How much time do you spend with him? If you were to eat and drink, right? If you were to eat and drink as often 
as you read your Bible and prayed, how healthy and strong would you be? Because for many of us, we stuff our gobs and pour vanities on our flesh galore. We care for our physical bodies so much more than we do our spirits, that our spirits look like concentration camp survivors in all reality, because all we're doing is throwing scraps and throwing crumbs to our spirit once in a while, and the spirit rarely gets to feed on the word of God in prayer, and while our flesh it just grows fat from all the vanity and luxuries. If you were to eat and drink as often as you read your Bible and pray, how healthy and strong would you be? There's the answer to why your prayers aren't being answered. Do you take the faith seriously? The things of the word of God, do you see it as absolute literal truth? Is the Lord actually intimately, personally a part of your life? Do you actually care about the things of God? You say you do, but do you actually? Because your life, the way you live your life, reveals your true faith. Proverbs 18.24 A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Do you show yourself friendly to God? Think about this. Think about it. Do you show yourself friendly to God? Are you a friend of God? Look in the word of God. Enoch, Abraham was a friend of God. What does it mean to be a friend of God? Well, the Bible says we are children of God. We are saints of God. We are servants of God. We are priests of God. What about friends of God? What defines a friend? What defines a friend? Is seeing a person once a week? No, that's an acquaintance. A couple times a week? multiple times every day what kind of friendship do you have how would you label your relationship with the lord you say that jesus has been your friend for 40 years now true but are you his friend that's my question he is our friend but are you his friend He wants to be the kind of friend that's in everything that you do. To be with you every waking moment. In every moment. Even in eating and drinking. Do all to the glory of God. Where he even stands over and watches over you and protects you while you sleep. He holds the reins of your heart in the night season. Prayer, prayer is intimate, close fellowship, relationship, conversation, discourse with God. People say, well, I see that. I get that. I know that. I believe that to be true. But, but 
I have been praying. I've been praying and praying and praying and praying and just nothing happens. I want it to be true, but I just, I pray and pray and pray and pray, but nothing ever happens. The first step to evaluating why you're having trouble in prayer is you first look at yourself. Don't look at others. Don't look at things. Look at yourself. You first need to evaluate your relationship with the Lord. Asking the Lord, Lord, are my hands clean? Is there anything in my life that goes against you or against your word? Please show me, dear Holy Spirit. Please show me, teach me. Instruct me. Help me to be in remembrance of everything which you have told me. Please help me to know. Help me to understand. Evaluating yourself. Then we start to look outward. You can't look outward until you've looked inward. Evaluating yourself first. Because we see Daniel. Daniel chapter 10 left us an example of this, of what if our prayers are being hindered and our prayers are not being answered. You see, Jesus, in one of the uh, times he was healing and he was casting the devils uh, out of this one young boy. And he asked the father, how long has this been going? He says, uh, ever since he, he was a child and the devil, devils cast him in the fire and in the water, tried to kill him. And he says, and Jesus says, bring your son to me. And as they're bringing the boy, the boy, uh, the, the devils cast the boy to the ground and he's thrashing and foaming at the mouth in a demonic fit. And Jesus says something rather interesting. Jesus says, some of these come not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now, fasting. Fasting is a biblical doctrine taught by God, shown by God, as an important observance of the Christian faith. It is so important our walk with Christ is affected by it. Spiritual deliverances are affected by it. Answered prayer, everything. Jesus said some of these devils come not out by prayer and fasting. And you'll note that in many other Bible versions, those two words of Jesus and fasting in that passage, are removed who would want to remove that when that's in the original manuscripts the original greek manuscripts that's actual original scripture it says and fasting jesus said and fasting and some evil wicked individuals creating uh, uh, other versions omit passages of scripture and quotations and statements and and important things that are needed and fasting because as we see in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel chapter 10, Daniel was praying and praying and praying fervently and he got no answer. 
No answer from God. Prophet Daniel got no answer from God. He was praying and praying and praying and praying and nothing. So what did he start to do? He started to chastise himself, self-discipline, evaluating himself, trying to see, okay, what's in my life that is causing this? He started chastising himself before God and bring himself close to the Lord, and he started to fast and pray. He started to fast and pray. And he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And 21 days later, 21 days later, an angel finally came to Daniel. In Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 to 13, And the angel said to Daniel, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, day one, from the first utterance out of your mouth, when you called upon the Lord from your very first prayer, the very first calling upon the Lord, he heard you. God heard you. And he sent me, and he sent me to bring you the answer to your request. But as I was coming, as I was coming to you, Daniel, the princes of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. What does that mean? Princes of Persia is an Old Testament name for devils. Devils. Devils blockaded. They formed a blockade and they stopped me and they fought with me. They resisted so that I could not get to you. So I fought with them there until Michael, the archangel, Michael came and fought with me against the kings of persia princes of persia kings of persia more powerful devils and michael came and fought with me against the kings of persia now i am here for your request it took 21 days for me to get to you the angel says and in that time daniel was fasting and praying jesus said some of these come out by prayer and fasting there are some devils that are so powerful they can resist rebuke some so powerful they can resist your prayers God says he hears your prayers, he hears your prayers, he bends his ear to our petitions, that he's always with us. So who would try to create, who would want to try to create certain instances that would seem to kind of look like God is ignoring you, to get you to doubt the promises? That's what it's all about delayed prayers delayed answers to prayers it's just the enemy trying to get you to doubt the lord so what is so what is our charge is you trust the lord you keep yourself in the faith you do not let your mind wander you do not do not permit the doubts and fears to arise in your mind when they do start to come up you ignore it you press it down you rebuke it you keep on no the lord says the lord says the lord says and if it takes a day a week a month a year so be it you keep praying you keep praying you keep praying believing trusting believing until the answer comes until until the lord says yes or no or gives you a reason because he said god said he would answer do you believe that do you believe that 
Do you believe that the word of God is true? Do you believe that the promises are true? Do you believe that the Lord keeps his word? Do you believe that the Lord will never ignore you, never deny you? He will never let you go. He will never forsake you. He is with you always. He hears your prayers. He will answer your prayers because he said he would. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? The devils will resist. They will fight. They will scheme. They will try to work ways to, 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 for the purpose of getting you to doubt the Lord. That's their whole point and purpose. To get you to waver in faith. So you'll receive nothing of God. Because the moment you start to allow, permit, entertain doubts, fears, unbelief, questioning the promises, watering down the word, compromising your convictions... Your prayers are dead in vain. Your prayers are dead in vain. And you'll receive nothing of the Lord. And the devils won again. And they won again. So how do I resist? Fasting. Prayer and fasting. Fasting, now... Fasting strengthens your spirit. It strengthens your prayers. And how exactly it works, we're not told. Just that it does. And again, fasting is not to get God's attention. You already have his attention because you're his child. It's not to earn his favor because you already have his favor because you have his son. It's not to increase and build up and work at your sanctification. You are sanctified by the sanctification of Jesus Christ. You don't have to maintain sanctification. He is our sanctification. 1 Corinthians 1.30 Fasting is for you. Fasting is for me. Fasting is for the saints. It, it, what it does is it helps subdue the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof it suppresses the fears suppresses the doubts it strengthens your faith it strengthens your prayers and it and it staves off the enemy it, it hardens your armor it pulls down the straps tighter it strengthens your grip more on the sword it sharpens the edges that's what fasting does when your faith is starting to get shaky, it's like your knees are starting to shake, fasting is the safety rail that you grab a hold of to steady yourself so you won't fall. That's what fasting is. It's the safety rail, the steady rail. It's the hand grips. It's the arm of Christ that you grab a hold of when your feet start slipping. That's what fasting is about. That's what it's for. Fasting hardens you against the ways of the enemy. So how, how exactly does fasting actually work then? Fasting is done for a reason. It's not some flippant thing. Oh, I'm just going to do it for here for a few minutes, uh, for a day. Oh, I'm just going to skip this meal. No, there's physical fastings for health reasons, that kind of thing. That's all fine. That's fine. But when it comes for spiritual reasons, let it not be of a flippant heart and flippant attitude. And Jesus has something to say about fasting in Matthew chapter 6.
Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast, now just emphasizing on that just for a moment, because <clears throat> it's meant to be something that is a regular observance. <coughs> Excuse me. A regular observance. But how how often do you see Christians doing this or talking about this? How, when was the last time you heard a preacher preach on fasting? It is what's called a forgotten doctrine. Like gluttony. When was the last time you heard someone preach on gluttony? There are forgotten doctrines. Because, well, they're kind of inconvenient. You know, we like our food. So, you know, gluttony, well, just, just, it's not that we don't believe that. It's just, we're not really going to talk about it because we love stuff in our gob. We, we don't mind being morbidly obese. The Bible has a lot to say on gluttony. It has a lot to say on fasting. And fasting, well, it's inconvenient because, well, I need to eat, says the flesh. But I need, I need this more than... Uh, an actual spiritual observance taught by God. Fasting is something that it should be a regular thing. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may be and may appear unto men to fast. Or the, the, the Pharisees and, and all, all of those, when they be fasting, they be walking around, like, oh, holding their stomach and their face is distorted. Oh, I've been fasting for so long. And they're giving the appearance because it's all about show for them, for, for the admiration of men. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. The praise of man, because you receive nothing of God. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast. Don't even let others know about it. It's between you and God and God alone. That's it. But unto thy father which is in secret. But unto thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And the Lord will provide, the Lord will answer this. Now, there is a, there is an aspect that is shown on corporate prayer, corporate fasting. What it means by this is in groups. Where groups of Christians would come together and they would pray together and they would fast together as one body before the Lord. See, this is still done in sincerity and this in the Lord. Here's that. But what it's talking about here is letting others know just for the sake of letting others know. It's almost like a bragging, boasting, or like the Pharisee thing. It's just so that other people would see you and they, they would think that you're so spiritual. Don't do that. Don't do that. If the reason you're telling the person is because that you want them to join you in this and they will join you, so you're not just telling them this in for a secret reason just so that they could think you're spiritual, rather because they want them to join you, That that's different. That's different. But just to keep it to yourself and just between you and the Lord. Now, how? How 
do you go about this? Well, fasting, again, like I said, is done for a reason. It's an observance of the faith that is coupled with deep prayer and supplication before God. It strengthens the faith, spirit, body, and mind. You engage in fasting by praying about it. By praying about it. Praying for the reason and why you want to fast. And the Lord will guide you and he'll guide your intention. Then you just do it. Now, how? You put yourself in a state of determined, prayerful spirit and attitude, and instead of indulging in the usual thing, you pray and read your Bible in place of it. Now, there are different ways of fasting. We're now going to talk about the different types of fastings and the different means and these kinds of things. Now, prayer and fasting is for many, many different reasons and things. Now, is there a set time limit? No. No. Is there a set specific way this is how it's done? No. Because you fasting can be fasting from many things, from fasting from social media because it's harming your spiritual walk because you're spending too much time and it's becoming an addiction to you. Fasting from things that are addictions, junk food or whatever else, coffee even. Um uh, where uh, where things that become a power over you, you need to break that hold. You give yourself to prayer and fasting and resist that until that addiction is gone. So uh, fasting from social media stuff, from electronics, fasting from television, fasting from music, fasting from junk food, fasting from fill in the blank. For the purpose of, of reinvigorating, strengthening, and sharpening your faith. Because this thing has been a hindrance and opposition it's a problem now how, how do you go about this well like i said that you could fast from all kinds of things even from food now one that is very common a lot of people know about is called the daniel fast now, this isn't actually taught in scripture as this is a specific one, but rather this is one that we see Daniel did, that he did, and we just kind of follow it, this as an example of an idea for us. There's the Daniel fast. In the Old Testament, Daniel fasted from eating pleasant meats, as scripture says. That means fancy foods and whatnot. And he only ate basic food things just a little bit of stuff just a little bit of this a little bit of that little bit just to keep his energy up for this is for long duration fasting and you do not indulge in junk foods or fancy foods fancy meals it's just a little bit of absolute necessities to keep you going for long term you only eat basic foods to keep your strength up. This is generally the type for use for long duration fasting. As we saw in Daniel, it's extremely effective and powerful because when it's done in spirit and in prayer, the Lord sees this and he helps us. He strengthens us. His spirit teaches and strengthens and helps. However, the only problem that, that we see, and I'm also going to give you warnings, that the problems that will come with this, the flesh and the enemy will oppose this kind of fasting because you are indulging in a little bit of food and the and the flesh and the enemy will keep whispering suggestions and temptations just 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 one more bite maybe just just a little bit more 
just a little bit more. It's not going to hurt anything. Just a little bit more. And so you, you'll have that that temptation to indulge a little more. A little more. So you need to be on, on point. You need to be aware and to keep away from temptation. That's the thing about it. So great self-control and willpower is needed when doing this type of fasting, the Daniel fast. There's another kind that is well known. It's called the liquid fast. Now the liquid fast is is no solid foods, just either water, juice, milk, that kind of thing. Just uh, liquids, no solid foods. This is one that is seen, that is done, and this is a very common type. It's generally a go-to form by many people. Abstaining from solid foods really works against the flesh and its desire to eat. This helps in bringing the flesh into subjection and gives you great victory. This is also a great form for those also who may, say, struggle with blood sugar issues. Let's say you get low blood sugar, that kind of thing, and and that's why you haven't fasting well there are ways around that like for example the liquid fast you get a little bit of juice from time to time just to keep your sugars up um so there's that but again there will be uh and uh the temptation to indulge more that kind of thing just to excuse me to drink a whole bunch to fill your stomach up so you don't feel that hunger you don't want to gorge on the juice the drink uh, either now then there's the full abstinence fast now the full abstinence fast this is literally nothing but water nothing but water now again fasting can be fasting from anything in any way for the purpose that it the purpose the intent is to strengthen the faith and to overcome the issue, whether it be of flesh, of spirit, of circumstance, whatever it is, fasting can be done in many ways. There isn't a right way, wrong way. It's just you ask about this and the Lord puts it on your heart, your mind, uh, uh, what, what you should do. And you go into that with all your with all your intention. You determine this and you set your mind, your heart, your soul to this. And you overcome the flesh. You overcome the problem by prayer and fasting. Now, there's a story, there's many stories uh, on, on these kinds of things, but there's one that comes to mind. There is a, uh, years ago, uh, my dad was going to Bible school. Uh, one of the Bible teachers there was talking about an example of this, about how uh, his son, this Bible teacher's son, was in his late teens and completely walked away from the faith. His his son completely walked away from the faith and denied the Lord, wanted nothing to do with it, went off into the world like the prodigal son kind of thing. Went off into the world, wanted nothing to do with God. So the preacher, the Bible teacher, fasted and prayed. I think it was for 30 days, nothing. A full fasting and praying and giving himself to the Lord and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying for his son. And on 30 days, his son came back, repented, and believed the gospel. 
It's real, folks. It's real. It's real. Because the enemy will oppose your prayers. And especially when it's prayers for, for things of, uh, of serious nature. When it's things of serious nature, the enemy will be working on that overtime even more that to try to oppose that especially when it's a soul especially when it's for someone's salvation that when it's for provision for help protection whatever the enemy will oppose so sometimes greater prayer greater fasting is required because certain devils are more powerful than others and it ta takes more to overcome them and this is faith that your faith would not waver but you'd stay in this stay in faith stay in belief stay in trust of the lord you believe in him with all thine heart you lean not to thine own understanding but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths but you got to believe it if you're just going into this half-hearted half-believing you'll receive nothing of god if you're doubting the Lord and his promises, wavering in faith, you receive nothing of the Lord. If you're abiding in him, but his word is not abiding in you, you receive nothing of the Lord. If you're asking of the Lord, but doubting in your heart, you'll receive nothing of God. If you're praying and fasting and praying and all this, but you're not humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, you'll receive nothing of the Lord. Our salvation... is not by any form of maintenance of our own our salvation is absolute and is absolutely assured once saved always saved because that's that's what the word of god says it's by grace because it's not by works it's not of ourselves it's a gift of god not of works but the closeness of our walk with christ is on you is on me is on the saints he will never leave us we can wind up turning our back or shirking him or being apathetic and not not involving him and forgetting him and we we can be like that we can do that but he will never leave us nonetheless but we can ignore him we can be spoiled, rotten, disobedient brats of God. But he'll never leave us. But if you want a closeness, if you want to see the mighty hand of God, if you want the Lord to work in your life, like, like how we see examples in Scripture, if this is the kind of life that you want to live, then you have to determine in yourself then you have to take it seriously. It's there. It's free. It's offered. It's right there. The life, as we see as the examples of the mighty men and women of God, if that's the kind of life that you want, then you need to die to self. You need to die to self. Well, how do I do that? How do I die to self? How do I die to self? Dying to self is not a one and done thing. It's not a one and done thing. It's a daily observance. It's a daily thing. Daily, you determine in yourself, I will not return again to the Lord in heaviness. Daily, I challenge myself. Daily, I challenge my thinking. And every day, every day, I'm just another inch closer, another step closer. I'm just a little bit closer. 
every day. And when I fall flat on my face and I mess up and I sin and I make mistakes, the righteous man falls seven times and rises again. You just get up, stop wallowing, stop rolling around in misery, stop soaring over yourself, just repent, get it over with, keep going. Get up, keep going. Get up, keep going. The soldier on the battlefield, when he slips and falls on his face, what does he do? Roll around and cry and whine and sorrow and gripe and like Eeyore with the sad cloud over his head, woe is me. Or does he just get back up and keep fighting? Get back up and keep fighting. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. And as re repent, repent of these things and just keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. When the doubts arise, and people say, well, how can I stop the doubts? You can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can't stop the doubts. You can't stop the fear. You can't stop that. Because that's the flesh. That's the flesh. The flesh is still corrupted by sin. As we see in Romans chapter 7. Paul writes about the difference. Says the, the flesh wars against the spirit. And you cannot do the things you would. Paul talks about this so much in Romans 7. But the distinction is the flesh hates the things of God. The flesh hates praying. It hates reading the Bible. It hates going to church. It hates righteousness. It loves darkness. Loves fear. It loves to wallow in misery. It loves to wallow in negativity. It loves to doubt. It loves to be apathetic about the things of God. It loves to indulge anything else but the Bible. The flesh will sit just completely just wide-eyed on the television for hours on end. But the moment you sit in church, the moment you sit on the couch or end of your bed with your Bible, the flesh just, oh, not this again, and falls asleep. And our art starts getting distracted. You think about it, everything else but the Bible. And then the enemy comes in, stirs it up even more by throwing gasoline on the fire. And you got the kids, the cars, the cows, everything starts going off. Every distraction and hindrance to try to stop you from this. But what do you do? You determine in yourself. You determine it. I'm going to walk with the Lord in the ways of the Lord. I'm not going to give in to the heaviness. I'm not going to give in to the fear. And when it does arise, I'm just going to bat it down. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to reprove, rebuke, exhort. I'm just going to keep serving the Lord. If it, if the devils pop up, I'm just going to rebuke them and just move on. Don't think about them. Don't give them any attention. Just rebuke and move on. When the flesh starts riling up, rebuke and move on. Fasting helps this. It helps this. It helps strengthen the resolve. Something that, that should be a regular observance in your life. It helps you in your daily dying to self. It helps you in a weekly observance, daily, whatever, between you and the Lord. It's between you and the Lord. But the point is that you do. The point is that you do. You do take the faith seriously. And taking the faith seriously is taking it as a whole. The faith as a whole. Meditating on the word of God. It's always on in your mind. The thoughts, uh, uh, I call it Christ mindfulness. Is you're always mindful 
of Christ, mindful of him, aware of him, aware of his presence, aware of his closeness, aware of his word and his doctrines and his teachings, his word, his ways, aware of him always, Christ mindfulness. This helps. This helps. Times will be tough. And when you determine this, and even hearing this message, you feel charged and challenged about this, I'm telling you right now that, that uh, you are in for the fight of your life. You're in for the fight of your life. For the moment you determine in yourself to take the faith seriously, the devils, their heads pop up like, like, the, like the sound of a fresh kill to jackals. And their heads will whip around and they'll be like, oh yeah, let's test them. And I'm telling you, they, they, they'll take you at your word and they'll fight you. Your flesh will rile up. The devils will double down on, on coming at you. But, uh, but what does the word of God say? Worry not, fear not, doubt not, care not, fret not, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And rejoicing rejoicing always and again I say rejoice rejoicing even in tribulation because the reason the devils are attacking you is because you're doing something right the reason the devils are attacking you is because you're doing something right so how how can I do how do I get started you hear all this and it convicts you and you agree to this and you say okay now but how do i start by starting how do you start a race start running how do you how do you start a car you gotta turn the key on what's the key in faith belief and joy the joy of the lord is my strength I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me, and our strength is joy. Our strength is joy. Joy in the Lord. Taking the faith seriously, seeing him for who he is, remembering his greatness, his power, his fame, his truth, his promises, that he is God and there is none else. Think about the praise of the Lord, all that he is, all that he has done. Ye who, who call upon the Lord, be ye remembrancers of the Lord. Be ye remembrancers of the Lord. Give him no rest. That we remember the Lord and we praise him. What does that do to our spirit? What does that do to the flesh? Remembering the Lord always. Rejoicing in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. And again I say rejoice. It's more than just religious observances psalm 63 6 when i remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches day in day out night and day it's endless it's endless for what is your life our lives are meant to serve the lord to worship the Lord, to speak of the Lord always, to bring the lost to Christ, to strengthen the saints, 
This is what it's about. This is what it's about. Now, we are not dry religionists. Christianity is follower of Jesus Christ. Now, look at the disciples. They went everywhere preaching the word of God, and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. Confirming the word with signs following. We aren't dry religionists. We're not like college professors. We're disciples of a real, lively faith. Disciples of a real, lively faith full of supernatural power because it's full of God. His spirit, his presence, his power, his hand, his breath is upon us. His eyes look upon us. His ear is always bent to us. He is with us always. His spirit indwells us. And Elisha says, Lord, open my servant's eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the, uh, the, the servant of the prophet and he looked up and he saw round about the prophet was a mountain full of chariots, fiery chariots. The army, the hosts of heaven is with us. We need not fear. Fear hath torment, but perfect love casts out all fear. The perfect love of God, and that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Do you want perfect peace of mind in your faith? Let your mind be stayed on the Lord. What does it say? That's what it is. That's what it means. The river Jordan is parted. The, the jar of oil does not run out. The iron axe head floats. The dead are raised. The blind see. The lame walk. The hunger are fed. The poor are provided. I will not cause my children to beg for bread, the Lord says. I will not cause my children to beg for bread. But ask, and you shall receive. If the son asks for bread, will I give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will I give him a scorpion? No, I will give him what he asks. Ask, and you shall receive. Call upon the Lord, not doubting in your heart. So what is the first step? Repent. Repent of your apathy. Go fall on your face before the Lord. And I mean, go to your room, close the door, turn off your phone, cover the clocks, get rid of all distractions and hindrances and notifications, close the door, put the pillow on the floor if you need to, to kneel on. But I'm telling you right now, go kneel down before the Lord and cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry for not taking the faith seriously. Lord, I'm sorry for doubting. I'm sorry for my apathy. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry please from this point forward lord take over i'm done i'm done with my life my life is yours lord do with it what you will whether in sickness or in health rich or poor strong or weak alive or dead lord i am yours i'm done lord please take over dear holy spirit take over repent thyself before the lord Wash your hands in the innocency of the blood of the Lamb. Get your spirit straight. Make the crooked way straight. Get yourself right with the Lord. And then ask Him to take over and watch 
what happens. Watch what happens. It's not just a one or done, but every day, same same demeanor, same point, same fervency, same zealousness. It's a zealousness and fervency that carries every day. You, it's like stoking a wood stove. Every day, put it, put more wood in. Get that all fired up. Keep it hot every day. What happens when the fire goes out? The coals start to grow cold and die out, and your faith will die. I'm telling you right now, if you don't take your faith seriously, the way this world is going, the way the devils are screaming, the way the pagans are ranting, the way the heathen are raging, your faith will die. Your faith will dry up. It, it'll, uh, the ground will get cracked. Your lips, uh, spiritual lips will get me cracked and you can barely have a voice because you're dying of thirst. And, and I'm telling you, the wilderness of this world will try you. And if you are not walking with the Lord, you will not find that rock that brings forth the water. You will wither up. Your faith will wither up. Your prayer life will wither up. Your Bible reading will wither up. Your fellowship with the saints will wither up. This is what happens when you don't take the faith seriously. It's a slow leak. For many, it's a full blowout. But many, it's a slow leak. And you don't even realize you're going flat. There's enough dust on people's Bibles to write damnation. Take the faith seriously. Get yourself right with the Lord. As I'm telling you right now, there isn't one single person that will ever stand before God and God will say, why did you take me so seriously? But our religion, our religion is something else. Now, religion, religion is the physical carryings out of one's believing belief of faith. See, the belief of faith is the spirituality. The religion is the physical carryings out of that belief of faith. So for true born-again Christianity, what does our religion look like? Not legalism. Fasting, fellowship with a person. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's prayer, fasting, and fellowship with a person. You're walking with Jesus for real. He's right there. And you're always talking to him. You're always thinking of him. He's always talking to you. It's close intimate it changes your prayers you stop praying like a regurgitation of a list lord help me with this help me with this help me with this how could you help this person could you help this person could you provide for this person could you do this could you do that could you do this and could you do that in jesus name amen but rather it's a conversation lord what, what, what do you have to teach me today Bible verse pops up. Do that right where you are, right now. Ask the Lord for a Bible verse. Dear Holy Spirit, could you please bring a Bible verse to my mind that, that uh, I should be aware of right now? What comes to mind? What passage? 
What scripture? What reference? What comes to mind? Think on that verse. Think about that verse. Think about that passage, the words of them. What, is it, what does it mean? What does it say? Now talk to him. You're sitting at the feet of Jesus. Ask him. He just spoke to you. Talk to him. You go and sit down on, uh, on your couch, on your bed, and you open your Bible to talk to the Lord. And it just so happens that what's on the pages is literally what you were thinking about, talking about, or what happened that day, or what someone else was talking about. It's literally that. What's What are the odds? That's the Lord literally talking to you. Ask him about it. Talk to him about anything. Invite him in everything. In everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, dwell to the glory of God. A glass of cool water. A cup of coffee. Have coffee with Jesus in the morning. Now, I, I, I don't advocate this. I'm just saying. It wasn't very long after I got saved. I was still had a lot to learn. And I was learning about the closeness of the Lord and all this. And I had a lot of weird personal problems and fears and things. And the Lord was speaking to me a lot about the closeness of the Lord and the fellowship of the Lord. And and, and that morning, uh, the one morning I uh, was making a, a cup of coffee. I got my cup down and I poured a cup of coffee and I was going to go out to the little park out behind our place. And there's a little mini gazebo and it was early in the morning. There's still a little bit of fog in the air. It's quiet and the birds are going. It's really, I want to go out there just to, uh, to read my Bible and pray. And I grabbed my cup of coffee and the thought just crossed my mind. Pour one for the Lord. Okay. So I grabbed the second cup. I poured a second cup and I took, I carried both cups out to the gazebo and I set the one down on, on the railing of the gazebo and I stood there. I had coffee with Jesus. And just the thought, the thought of this, because the Lord was showing me a picture here. It's that it's that close. It's that real. He was standing right with me on that quiet morning with the birds. It's that close. The praying is not just some religious observance that Christians need to do. That you need to pray before you eat. You need to pray before you go to bed. No. As you talk to God, He's a person and He's so real. As Jesus walked the the roads and he reached out and the hand of jesus touched the faces of people he touches your face the hand of jesus reached out and he, and he grabbed a hold of the hands of the poor and the sick and the needy the woman that had the issue of blood reached out grabbed the hem of jesus garment do you reach out and grab grab his hand? Every morning, every day of every moment, do you reach out 
Do you touch the hem of his garment? Do you grab his hand? Do you feel his hand on your face? Are you close to the Lord? Do you want to be? If you want to be close with the Lord, you need to be close to the Lord. He is close. But for many, he's, just, he's standing right behind them. I never want Jesus to be standing behind me. I want him always before me and right at my side. I never want to turn my back on the Lord. I never want to cold shoulder Jesus. I want him always before me, looking me square in the eyes. I want him always at my shoulder, grabbing me by my arm, walking with me hand in hand. You want to be close to the Lord, you need to be close to the Lord. He's not going to make you close to him. It's an invitation. God doesn't grab you by the scruff of the neck and the seat of the pants and forces you down the path. He doesn't chain you up and drag you kicking and screaming along the path. It's an invitation. He reaches out the hands and says, will you walk with me today? Will you? Will you walk with me at this tick of the clock, of this hour, this moment, in this situation, of this circumstance, of this trial, this tribulation, this persecution, this moment of blessing, this moment of praise, this moment of worship, in every moment of everything that you do, you're always grabbing the hand of Jesus. This is what prayer and fasting is all about. It's not just some religious observance. It's not just something that we do. It's not something just to earn favor with God to try to get his attention so he'll pay attention to you and he might answer your prayers. It's not about that. It's about taking the faith seriously. It's about taking the faith seriously. Because when you take the faith seriously, all heaven rejoices and the gates of hell shake because as one preacher said actually i have the quote on my phone here let me give me a second i hope i have it here so meaningful and insightful um there it is by john wesley the great preacher john wesley Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not a straw whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. God does nothing but an answer to prayer. Do you want to shake the very gates of hell? <laughs> do you want to hear the knees shake and knock of the demons do you want to see the hand of god move upon this world do you want to see revivals and souls come to the lord and and mass do you want to see the churches flourish the saints rejoice sinners come to the lord do you want to see the kingdom of god manifested take the faith seriously you could say well no one else around me is then you do then you do it. 
You stand up, be the example. You lead by example. One man with the Lord is in the majority. One person walking with the Lord is in the majority. You lead by example. You show them how it's done. They may want to, but they're afraid. Maybe they're afraid. Maybe they just don't know how. Maybe that they've become apathetic because they've lost hope, lost faith. Well, show them how to do it. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Teach them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Invite them. Show them. Show them what it means to take the faith seriously. Call upon the Lord. Lord, are my hands clean? Help me. Help me today. Help me today, Lord. Lord, as Solomon asks, Lord, I ask for wisdom, knowledge and discernment. Your knowledge, wisdom and discernment, Lord. Teach me. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Show me thy ways. Lord, help me to take the faith seriously, to know what it means. Lord, that I be an example unto others, that I would speak your words to bring you praise. Lord, help me to learn how to die to self. Help me to take the faith seriously. Teach me, Lord. Speak to me from your word. Let your words be written in my mind and heart, O Lord, that I never forget it. Lord, I am ready. The Lord says, Who will go for us? And the one stands up and says, Here am I, Lord. Send me. So what about you? What about you? Do you want to take the faith seriously? Then do it. Your flesh, I'm telling you, will fight you, will fight you, will, will make every excuse to not kneel. Like I said earlier, go to your room and kneel down. Break the flesh. Make your flesh kneel before God. Watch what happens. And then just let it out. Cry if you must. Let it out. Repent. Get yourself right with the Lord. Kneel down before God and repent and get yourself right. Repent of the fear, the doubt, Repent of the apathy, the disregard. Repent of your sin. Get yourself right with the Lord. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. A joy will come over you like you've never seen. A peace will come on your mind. Your faith will change. Your faith will change. And as one preacher says, God the Father sits on the throne, reigning sovereign, has no need of a body. Jesus Seated at the right hand of the Father has no need of a further body. He already has one. But the Holy Spirit of God, which dwells in the heart of every believer, has need of a body. Will you give him yours? 
so do. Like I talked about inviting the Lord, like actually inviting the Lord to take part in everything because you just want him to be. So you voice it. What about actually telling the Spirit of God within you, please take over. I'm sorry. I'm done. Dear Holy Spirit, I'm sorry for taking control of my body, taking control of my life over you. I'm sorry for calling the shots. I'm sorry for overriding your authority and doing just what I want to do. I'm sorry. Dear Holy Spirit within me, please take over. My life is yours. I'm done. Watch what happens. Take the faith seriously. Pray. Talk to the Lord like you mean it. Fast and pray like you mean it. Read the word of God and study it like you mean it, like you actually believe it. Walk in this world, walk in this life like you got something to prove. And what you have to prove is Jesus Christ. Take the faith seriously. Witness, preach, teach, pray like it's real because it is. Watch what happens. Watch what happens when you fall before the Lord, you give your life to the Lord, and you take the faith seriously. Watch what happens. It's for you, your life. You can't expect revival to break out if there isn't a revival in your life. What are you doing praying for revival in others if there is none in yours? So pray for revival in your life that you would revive revive to come back to life again stoke that fire again go back to the first day when you believed on the lord and you got saved do you remember that moment don't let that die that excitement that fervency that zealousness that, that passion revive it take the faith seriously watch what happens ignore this world this world is full full of devils it's gonna be burned it's just gonna get worse the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing ignore it all get yourself right with the lord preach jesus the gospel of jesus christ fixes everything take the faith seriously watch what happens go kneel before the lord get yourself right with the lord watch what happens that's how you get started faith the faith is more than just physical observances it's a life of power it's a life of passion it's a reality beyond realities that this world ceases to exist and you see men as souls, not flesh. You see supernatural power. The spiritual powers of both of God and of the enemy. Manipulating, controlling, calling, drawing, fighting. You see it. You get it. You hear it. 
and you want to be a part of it. You want to fight for God. You want to preach the cross. To hold to the word of God. To walk. You know what I mean when I say you walk as a prophet in the land. You go forth to preach, thus saith the Lord. And you call down the fire. You show them the hand of the Lord. You show them the, pa the passion. You show them the fervency. You show them the reality of the hand of God. The name of Jesus Christ. You show them. You live it. You walk it. You prove it. And the people know that a prophet hath, has been among them. As scriptures say. Now, I know that we're not prophets. But it's like the spirit of one. That determined diligent adamancy the gentle dogmatism the reality of true believing faith that's what it's about that's what it's about it's not about denominationalism it's not about the the catechisms commentaries creeds and councils it's about one thing and one thing only thus saith the lord it is written it is written. It is written. There you go. I hope this makes sense. So uh, to go down through the comments, now I'll try to answer some of your comments here. Um. <clears throat> Oh, wow. Lots of comments. Um, yeah, how's it going, folks? How's it going? Thanks for joining in. Um, Anthony says, I don't believe I'm here by accident. That's true. I do not believe in chance, luck, or coincidence. I adamantly reject those, those terms. I do not believe that. I do not believe in chance, luck, or coincidence. I believe that the Lord works, manipulates, controls, draws, and calls. I believe the Lord shows and the Lord works. I don't believe in chance, luck, or coincidence. Yep, uh, going down through. Um, Jules says, do you think dreams should be carefully assessed for source? Well, the scriptures actually have something to say about that. That dreams, how does it word it? forget where it's where it's i think it might be ecclesiastes i could be wrong on that but dreams are from the overabundance busyness of life i'm paraphrasing a little bit but basically your dreams is just a combination of just everything going on that's just been going on and there's no meaning to them but that but can god get your attention by by dream vision yeah he can but here's the thing how do you go about this if you even have to ask the question, I wonder if that was of God, then it wasn't. Simply. If you even have to answer the question, ask the question, I wonder if that was of God, then it wasn't. Because God is not the author of confusion. And when he does speak, it's abundantly clear and plain, and it's in line with the word of God that you have no doubts about it. But here's the thing. Is God going to tell you something in a dream that he hasn't already said in his word? He's not going to teach you some new thing. 
So if he does happen to, it will be something about scripture to bring you back to scripture so he could speak to you through scripture. Because this is sufficient. So I don't put much stock in dreams. I'm not denying that the Lord can use dreams. He can. But it's going to be to bring you back to the word of God. And if you have to ask the question, I wonder if, then it wasn't of God. Okay, uh, going down through. <clears throat> okay. Lots of uh, stuff here being said. Uh, MJU says, I think the Lord helps us with the fast. Yes, he does. Absolutely. He, he gives us the determination he helps our determination in this i was drinking coffee two times a day and then about a month ago i all of a sudden stopped and haven't had one cup since yeah it can, it can be addictive people get addicted to it and the bible says that 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 uh, let nothing be a power over you that we should have uh, there should be nothing in this world that would be a power over us and uh, if things do then we need to fight that and stop that uh, uh, whether addiction lost to control of some kind Fight that, get break that, get rid of that, and he will help you overcome these addictions and things. All things that be brought under moderation. All right, um, going down through. Melissa says, just do it. Open God's word and start running and don't stop pursuing the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, El Boggy says, Jesus is so merciful. No, uh, no one is deserving. All glory and honor can only be given unto you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um... <laughs> Okay, um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Spirit Walker says. That's right. It's all about that. Now, fear. Let's just talk about fear just for a moment. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does that mean? Fear means holy, reverential worship and respect. It's not the fear like, like, oh, if I make a mistake, God's up there with a club and he's just ready just to whack you every time I make a mistake. Not that kind of fear. It's the fear of, of a holy, reverential worship and respect and love. That That's that, that's the idea that's behind that. Um, he is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and gentle. Look at the fruits of the Spirit. That's what the Lord is like. Uh, now, when I uh, talk about the Lord, um, what always comes to my mind, the way I teach it, the way I see it is my Jesus, right? My Jesus. When I did do a study, like I walk through the gospel of John, my Jesus. You see him going to people and uh, talking to people and going to the weddings. I said, my Jesus smiles a lot. That when I see him, that when he, when he heals the blind man. Now just, just use your sanctified imagination just for a moment. When Jesus healed the blind man and his eyes opened, what kind of reaction do you think the blind man, the ex-blind man, had? He would have looked up and seen the face of Jesus and he just smiled, break across his face and saw these oh, colors and light and all this coming in and just overwhelming and just joy, excitement. You telling me Jesus didn't laugh? 
at his reaction just out of joy jesus chuckling look at that just because he's a god of joy so we see a joy a gladness and excitement in the lord and and the, the the fear of the lord is a holy reverential worship and respect and love and joy of the lord that's the idea of the relationship the fear of the lord the love of the lord the joy of the lord the passion of the lord is the beginning of wisdom amen all right and anthony says when you're done can you share how to connect with you on social media oh yeah absolutely now here on our youtube channel we got lots of other playlists all kinds of different topics and studies and bible walkthroughs and everything tons tons of different playlists make sure you check that out as well as our website christiancoffeetime.ca christiancoffeetime.ca we have links to all our other platforms and goodies uh, we even have free downloadable gospel track pdfs yes you heard that right 100 free no catch we have the uh, pdf up there just click that and you can download them you can print them off yourself free tracks and we also have available is an e-track version so you can uh, uh, download that and send that as uh, for emails and whatnot e-tracks they're free and we have links to all other platforms and stuff there. You can check us out. We also are up on podcasts where these videos, we upload the MP3 file, the audio file to uh, of these videos. We upload the audio to the podcast because some people in, in places of the world uh, aren't able to watch a video, but they can listen to the audio. So we send them out uh, via podcasts. And you can follow us on all these other platforms as well. You can reach me, contact me directly uh, by contact us on our website or through uh, different uh, social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, YouTube. Uh, and then we have our, our different podcast sites. And you can contact us on many of those as well. All right, so. Um, and going down through. Christ is the light has a question. Do you have to turn from your sins to be saved? Okay. Let me ask you a question. Saved from what? Saved from what? Uh, the Bible says our sins have separated us from God. For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. All are fallen away, all have come corrupt. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And uh, as scriptures also say uh, in Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we, in whom we have... Uh... Wow, my brain just shut down. Ephesians 1, 7. It happens. I'm tired. Been a long day. Excuses. Ephesians 1, 7. In whom we have redemption to be redeemed, bought out, changed, made new. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. In verse 13, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed the Holy Spirit of promise. So, we're sealed by the Spirit of God. When our sins are washed away, when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we also see in Acts chapter 10 verse 43 to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth on him shall receive remission of sins 
So believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. From what? Well, from hell. Why are you going to hell? Because I haven't believed in the Lord. Why do I need to believe on the Lord? So I can go to heaven. Why am I going to why am I not going to heaven in the first place? Why am I going to hell in the first place? Why did Jesus need to die on the cross? And what did he shed his blood and atone for what? For our sins. So what what is it what is it that I'm seeking salvation from? The condemnation of my sins. There is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. The condemnation of what? Of sin. So it's my sins have separated me from God. It's my sins that, that are the problem. He died on the cross for my sins, shed his blood for my sins, rose again to life to show he has the power to give us everlasting life over the, over the condemnation of our sins. He is the Lamb of God, the Lamb atonement for my sins. It is my sins that need to be addressed. It is my sin that is sending me to hell. So he died on the cross for my sins. So therefore, when I, when I want to be saved, saved from my sins, from the weight, the condemnation of my sins, I say, Lord, please save me. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he saves me. So there's the knowledge of this. I seek this, as Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel. John the Baptist, repent and believe the gospel. All throughout the scriptures, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. God commands all men everywhere to repent. And that, so repentance and belief. Repentance of what? My sins. Now repentance is not works. Repentance is the heart state acknowledgement of the sin state. I see the state of my sins, what it has done to me. I see where I am in this. I see what the Lord has done for me. And the weight of the law convicts me of my sins. It shows me how I'm a sinner. The law is a schoolmaster to sin, Galatians 3. And it, it brings me to the altar. It shows me that a sacrifice needs to be made. Well, I don't want to be. So Jesus did it for me. And so I turn to the Lord and I repent and believe that's repentance unto salvation. So, repentance is the acknowledgement of my sin. Understand it's not works, because we're saved by grace, not works. So, repentance is acknowledgement, understanding. It's, it's, the, it's the grasp of the enlightenment of the whole state that I'm in, and I ask the Lord to save me from it. So, it's more than just believe in Jesus, or one, two, three, repeat after me to get your inoculation of the gospel kind of thing. And they're all good. No, there needs to be an understanding, a knowledge, a grasp of what's going on, who I am, what I am in this, what, uh, why he had to come, who he is, and all of this. There needs to be an understanding of this. So, the question, uh, do you have to turn from your sins to be saved? Turning in sense of seeing what it is, and I don't want that anymore. I want salvation. I, as uh, Peter says, uh, uh, repent in the name of Jesus. The word repent means to turn around. So we see, for example, I'm driving down the road, I'm going this way, and I realize I should be going this way. So what do I do? I stop, turn around, go the other way. But a way has been given, the way of Jesus Christ. Repent in the name of Jesus Christ. So that means you are walking in sin, walking on the broad way of destruction. You're heading towards hell. You need to go on another route. So I see this is wrong. I reject that. And I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for my salvation. So in that sense, turn from your sins to be saved is right. But many people use it as turn from sin as in like a lordship salvation kind of thing. You need to actively work at repentance and work at doing, doing, not doing and resisting and keeping to earn it kind of thing. Well, that that's, that's heresy. So there you go.
All right. Repentance is fruit, fruit of understanding, right? Uh, that the Spirit of God gives enlightenment. Uh, Hebrews 6, 4 to 6 is all about the Spirit of God giving enlightenment, knowledge, giving you the taste of the light of the glimpse, and helping you to see it, to get it. And you accept this as true, and you repent and believe the gospel. Yes. All right. So with that, I guess we'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much for joining in, folks. Hope this has been a help, a comfort, and encouragement to you. If you appreciate these things, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so you know we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other goodies, like I said earlier. And check out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. We have links to all other platforms. And if I'm not here, I'm generally pretty much living on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram as well and uh, come join us over there. Do posts all the time, argues, arguments and debates with people and and uh, all kinds of stuff over there. So you can join us over there if you like. And uh, yeah, so wrap that up. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. Don't forget what I said. Go. Fall before the Lord. Go find a quiet place. Fall before the Lord. Get yourself right with the Lord. Take the faith seriously. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. God bless you. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.